Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Here in Sunny Slope and in Phoenix more broadly, we have the honor and opportunity of living out our Christian lives in the midst of many nations. If you take a drive around this neighborhood, you're going to find all kinds of signs in multiple languages. If you take a walk, you're going to find African markets nearby. You're going to find Polish bakeries nearby. If you spend some time in the parks, you're going to see families in traditional ethnic clothing, walking and playing and talking together. According to an article uh, in 2015, I think, in the Phoenix New Times, so several years ago, right, uh, our state to that time had welcomed nearly 75,000 refugees from countries like the Democratic Republic of Congo, Cuba, Vietnam, and Iraq, all since 1975. And of course, that's just continued on since, since 2015. Now, these people have settled here in the surrounding and in surrounding municipalities as well, and they've started their own families and businesses and communities. So in a major metropolitan area like Phoenix, the world comes to us. And we know just from the circumstances of the arrival of all these people from different places, that the world is often a hurting and broken place. So many people come to Phoenix, um, whether from outside of the country or even within the country. We know many people come to Phoenix looking for something better. Like some people come to escape war, famine, and, and persecution of all kinds. Some people are here looking for a better job or a better climate or whatever. And, and although a lot of people come to Phoenix from all over seeking and often finding, thanks be to God, better opportunities and a more peaceful life, we know that this city itself is not without its own deep brokenness. Because we know that there are pockets of Phoenix where violence ravages the communities. We know that the pandemic has left a wake of pain and that the economic downturn makes the, the future here in our city more uncertain than ever. We know there are things like addiction spreading like the disease that it is and homelessness is on the rise here. And then, so here we are, here Desert Mission Anglican Church is, Right? A community of people gathering around a certain hope and the love of God and Jesus Christ, publicly and unapologetically offering him our joyful and grateful worship each and every Sunday, right in the heart of all of that. What an opportunity to bless the nations with the good news of God's love in Christ just by virtue of when and where we are situated as a worshiping community. The harvest is plentiful, Jesus said, but the laborers are few. You know, God has always intended to bless the nations. God has always intended to bless the, the whole world through his people. From the very beginning, God said to Abraham in Genesis 22, in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Now, God had a special relationship with Abraham and a special relationship with Israel. The goal was to bless the world. 
God continued to bless his people over and over again, even as they so often rebelled against him. The intention was always that they would be a blessing to the world, showing everyone the goodness and grace of of God that is the creator and father of all. But over and over again, the people of God found themselves caught up in the same sins as the people around them. Despite God's continual revelation and God's continual presence with his people and even God's special revelation, deliverance, right? They still found themselves caught up in all the stuff, in oppression, in corruption, in idolatry. The inevitable human tendency towards selfish and self-destructive attitudes and actions and affections kept the people of God from fulfilling their mission. But the world was still in need and God still had a mission. So even hundreds and thousands of years before Christ, the harvest was plentiful and the laborers were few. There began to be a sense within the community, though, of faith over time in Israel that God would have to intervene in a special way, first to heal his people, and then to bless the world because they knew that they simply couldn't do it in their own strength, in their own power, with their own plans. This this sense within the community is vocalized by the prophets. We begin to see this in the prophets. For instance, in Isaiah 49, we read it today. Now the Lord says, he who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him, For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. The point is, what Isaiah is saying, that God is saying, is that somebody's got to do this. I'm, I and I'm going to make it happen. You guys are, are, are worried about it, and rightly so. But I'm going to make it happen. And you notice, uh, and there's a lot of in, interpretive uh, moves we can make here, um, and I'm not going to be able to get into all of it today. But I just find it interesting, um, and I get that it's a metaphor. Prophecies are metaphors. Um, but the servant is singular. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. In the ultimate sense, the laborers would be few. The laborers, the servant, would be one. Isaiah's prophecy was fulfilled in the definitive and ultimate sense in the fullness of time when God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be that servant. When God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be the perfect Israelite, the true and faithful son that would accomplish God's mission on behalf of his people to save and bless the world. And it's this Jesus in our gospel passage today from Matthew that tells his disciples to pray for laborers in the harvest. 
just a few verses later, those same disciples are called apostles, which means sent ones, because they realize that they are the ones about to go on mission. They were the ones that they were praying for. These are the few that are sent in Christ, if you will, as his representatives to declare that the mission of God to rescue his people from themselves and bless the world was underway in one person, Jesus Christ. When Jesus said to the disciple, disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, he wasn't sending them in that moment out to the whole world, actually. Um, if we were to move just a little further into the gospel passage, we would read today in Matthew 10 that Jesus says in verse 5, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What's going on with this? Why is he just sending them to the people of Israel? Because before the word would go out to the world, God wanted his people to know, I've done it. I've raised up a servant that can finally do what you were never able to do. Things might seem dark now, Israel, but my kingdom, the kingdom of light is coming. Before that word could go out to the world, the mission of Israel to truly be the people of God had to be accomplished. And this is exactly what Jesus did on behalf of the Israelites as their ultimate representative, as the faithful son of God, as the servant that Isaiah had prophesied, as God come to his people, as one of his people, Jesus exemplified the mission of Israel in every part of his life. He taught the truth. He interpreted the law. He healed the sick. He accomplished justice. And he did go out and preach among the Gentiles and the Samaritans. And ultimately, he laid down his life for the sake of the whole world, choosing to forgive the sins of all, Jew and Gentile alike, even as all conspired together to kill him on the cross. His mission then to fulfill the vocation of Israel in this way was vindicated in his resurrection. And it was in and through that definitive event, the resurrection, I mean, that the disciples finally grasped what God was doing in Jesus. It was in the resurrection of Christ that they saw the mission of God for the whole world in and through Israel coming to fruition. It was the resurrection that catalyzed their evangelism. And as representatives themselves of Israel, it catalyzed their mission, their own evangelical, evangelistic mission, not only to their own people, but then to the whole world. And so it was the resurrected Christ, right, that said to them, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so now all that believe, all that receive this good news of what God has done in Christ, that that. Jesus has been raised from the dead, has been resurrected. All that believe, all of us from every ethnic group are gathered together in Christ as one people. And we all share that charge to be witnesses to what he has done for us. 
And it all makes sense in the context of the resurrection. Just like Israel and the disciples were able to go forth in the power of the Spirit as the resurrected Christ pours the Spirit out upon us. And so we go with, with authority when we allow the truth of what God has done in Jesus for us to take hold of our heart and orient our whole life. When we turn our, our attention to Christ, believing what God has done for us and seeing God's missionary efforts towards us as part of an entire world lost in sin, we are propelled outward to share with everyone we can. Friends, would we grasp the missionary nature of God in Christ? Like, have you ever thought of that before, that we serve a missionary God? I know you have, Jason. <laughs> we serve a missionary God. And when we grasp that, when we grasp how we ourselves were just as lost as any person ever throughout all time, and that we are such great beneficiaries of his grace and his goodness, well then, friends, missionary activity doesn't become one option among many. Evangelism, that is sharing the good news of God, loving and saving the world in his son Jesus, becomes part of our lifestyle. And this is because it is part of Jesus' lifestyle. It's because it's part of God's lifestyle. And we are being formed in his likeness. So there's no doubt. Look, I, I get it. We think about sharing our faith. It can be a little bit nerve-wracking, right? Can be, is it just me? <laughs> hey, we don't want to come off as weird, right? We, we don't want to be rejected. And to be honest, um, I mean, I have some good news, but first some bad news. Uh, those things are kind of inevitable. You're going to be weird, um, you're going to be seen as strange because sh what we're sharing in word and deed, this message of death to, to self for the sake of eternal life is not something that comes intuitively to a world caught up in the lies of Satan. So we're going to be looked at as being a little weird. Um, also, uh, we will be rejected. We will be rejected. Not everyone will receive this message. And Jesus tells us to expect this in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. So that's the bad news, I guess. We're going to be weird. We're going to be rejected sometimes. But here's the good news. There is this tremendous grace in engaging the, the work of evangelism in word and deed. Because when we do that, we find that our hearts and our minds and our actions are aligned with God's heart and mind and actions. And so... Spoiler alert, God wins in the end. Hallelujah. We're going to find out that we are on the right side here. Um, we find that as we engage the work of evangelism, that he is with us as we join him and what he's doing in the world. And there's the satisfaction that will actually come even in the present moment. This really um, deep satisfaction that we are living into our very purpose as human beings made in the image of God. Because 
we're, we're doing, we're, we are made to, to image him. We're doing what he does. And when we do that, we are drawing attention. We do it in such a way that we draw attention to God. That's what images do. They, they give attention to their subject, right? And so we find that we are living out in the deepest way what we are meant to be as human beings. And there is something so peaceful and satisfying in that as we come into alignment with God's desires. God, in all of his wonderful creativity, has equipped his people in so many different ways to do this. So, look, I'm never going to suggest that all of us are called to go overseas to train pastors like our brother, Stuart. Um, We're not all called to host missional communities like Jason. We don't all have the same kind of calling to native people that Brian has. And not all of us are going to be able to bring bread to the hungry on Wednesday mornings with Jerry Miller. However, I do want to suggest that because our God is a missionary God, sending his son into the world to save the world, and that we are made in the image of God, that we are all called as witnesses in significant and essential ways. And at the very core, just as the starting place, this means that each of us that calls Jesus Lord must be ready, as St. Peter said, to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. 1 Peter 3.15. Don't forget the second part of that verse, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So, so the work begins, I think, by cultivating a disposition of hope in our everyday life. A disposition of hope. This is the hope for renewal, for redemption, for healing, for new creation, for the kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, all because of Jesus. And this becomes an engine that drives our decisions and our conversations. And when we live that way, when we speak that way, I believe that the questions will be inevitable. People will ask, what's up with you? And we need to be ready to answer as ambassadors for Christ. And this is the joyful privilege of every single believer. But there's more. There's more. Each of us as an ambassador for Christ is sent into the world, not uh, where we are, not only to answer questions as they come and to kind of passively wait. I mean, there's definitely... That's part of it, for sure. But to actively seek out as well, just like Jesus did, those that are questioning. Mm. Lots of people came to Jesus and he was happy to receive them. But he also went out to seek and to save the lost. And so there's there's a, 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 a gift that we have to follow Jesus in that to not only just be passively ready to answer questions, but to actively pray for grace to initiate conversations, to initiate actions that witness to the goodness of God in Christ. And because we're all bound together in one body, sharing one Lord, one faith, one baptism, I believe we are also bound together in special works of evangelism. What I mean is, when one of us, especially in this, in this local body, I mean, this, this extrapolates out to the whole church, but 
we start with kind of concentric circles. When one of us in our family or in our local body is called to a special work, like let's say training pastors or hosting meals and discussions or bringing bread to our neighbors or strengthening worshiping communities on the Hopi reservation, just hypothetical stuff like that. Um, we all have a part to play in those works. We all have a part to play in those works as encouragers, as intercessors in prayer, as financial supporters, as active partners with one another as the Spirit leads and gives opportunity. So brothers and sisters, God is at work in the world. God is at work in our neighborhood. God is at work where we work and in our families. God is at work through his son who dwells in us and among us by the Spirit. So Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And then he pours out his spirit on them and sends them out to be his witnesses to all the ends of the earth. Could we say, sisters and brothers, this morning in light of the gospel, that the harvest is plentiful and the laborer is Christ in us? Amen. And could we live in light of that? The harvest is plentiful. So let's pray for laborers and grace to find ourselves filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to be Christ's witnesses to the ends of the earth. And let's pray with thanksgiving that this local body, Desert Mission Anglican Church, would be counted among those that are sent to share the love of God in Christ with every family, language, people, and nation in Sunny Slope, in Phoenix, and even beyond. Amen. Amen.